We're in the third week of our message series. We've been calling Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous and prayers are not words we tend to put together, but through the course of this series, that's what we're doing. What's the difference, you might ask, between dangerous prayers and what I suppose we would call safe prayers? Safe prayers are probably going to be softer prayers, grace before meals, child's prayer at bedtime, the blessing at the end of Mass. Traditional Catholic devotions used to worship God or venerate Mary and the saints are examples. They give expression to faith. They provide comfort and encouragement. Such prayers can be fundamental to many people's spiritual life and growth. Dangerous prayers are different. Dangerous prayers make specific requests to God. When we pray dangerous prayers, we bring very clear petitions to Him. Dangerous prayers require us to stretch our faith and trust in God. They take us to places in our relationship with God that we've never been before. Dangerous prayers rely on God's power and presence. We expect to hear from God. Dangerous prayers mean you're all in. They're cries from the heart. They connect with the deepest desires of our heart. Dangerous prayers search your soul. They break your habits. They change your path and set you in a direction of the more that God has in store. They're move mountains, work wonders, expect miracles kind of prayer. As we launch this series, we acknowledge that some prayers work and some prayers do not in the sense that they don't seem to affect what they propose, which is actually true of everything we undertake in life if you think about it. So the fact alone need not dissuade or discourage us from renewed efforts at prayer. Actually, in the course of this series, we're going to focus on praying more, as in more skillfully, more powerfully, more effectively. And so we challenge you the first week of this series to identify one dangerous prayer that you could focus on during this series. There's still several weeks left to the series, so you can still give it a try. We're talking about a prayer that needs God to come through, a prayer that needs God to come through to make it happen. Last weekend was a very powerful weekend here at Nativity as we looked at healing and prayer for healing. A big part of Jesus' ministry was all about healing. We reflected together that that same Jesus who impacted and changed people, who healed and made people whole 2,000 years ago, still does so today. And he heals through prayer. We shared a powerful testimony, a very compelling video that is not to be missed. If you did miss it last week, check it out on our website. Do yourself a favor. Today we're going to look at a very traditional practice in the church and among Christians that's been in use for thousands of years. It's a powerful practice, but one that gets watered down. It gets made soft and safe. And we're going to take a look at how to make it dangerous again. As our jumping off point, 
we're going to look at a gospel passage from Mark and an encounter Jesus has with one of the religious leaders who remains unnamed in the story. What's going on in this episode? Well, the encounter takes place during the last week of Jesus' life. You know the story. Jesus rides into town on Palm Sunday to the accolades of the crowd and the escalating jealousy and eventual rage of the religious leaders who are actively plotting to arrest and murder him, which would come at the end of that week on Thursday and Friday. In order to build a case against him, these leaders are trying to trap him and trip him up in his public discourse. In this particular episode, they bring three different questions that were the hot-button religious and political issues of the day. And however Jesus might try and answer these questions, it was going to be a problem with at least a portion of his audience. Whichever way he went with his answer, that way was going to get him into trouble and alienate him with one faction or another. It was essentially an ancient version of our current debate about masks or no masks. Whatever you say, you're in trouble. Well, you can read all about the first two trick questions in the verses preceding the passage we're looking at today. This is the 12th chapter of Mark's gospel, and here is what happened. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, which is the first of all the commandments? Now, this isn't a very much disputed uh, question in the Christian era, but in first century Judea, the religious leaders argued about this question all the time. There were 613 laws taught by the Pharisees, and people had deeply held convictions about their order and their importance. The question was a minefield, and everyone knew it, including Jesus, but he strode right into it, not even really breaking a sweat. He replied, the first is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Here, Jesus himself is quoting scripture. He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, and particularly a verse in Deuteronomy that was so famous, it actually had a name. It was called the Shema Israel. Jesus references the Shema Israel the daily prayer, the morning prayer, the first prayer of every religiously observant Jew. And those words would have struck a deep emotional chord in the same way that God bless America or Silent Night might hit us emotionally. In the same way that hearing beloved family stories you heard as a child still resonate with you. From a very early age, Jewish boys and girls would have learned those words and learned to treasure them. So Jesus cuts through all the political rhetoric and theological debate, all of the infighting and name calling, and speaks right to the heart of everyone in his audience. It's all about loving God, and everyone agrees. But he's not finished. 
It turns out there is more to his answer. He goes on. The second is this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. So he says, when it comes to the commandments, there isn't just one central overarching single command. There's actually one and one A. There's the greatest command, and it has an addendum. Love God, love your neighbor. The ancient pagan religions didn't connect the dots when it came to God and our neighbors. In the Greek, the Roman, the Egyptian pantheons, for example, the gods didn't care how you treated other people. For that matter, the gods didn't care if you loved them. According to the mythology, they didn't want to be loved. They wanted to be honored and respected and most of all, feared. They wanted and demanded worship and sacrifice. Ethics, virtue, charity, and religion had nothing to do with each other. They were completely separate. Love wasn't even part of the equation. The Jewish faith was wholly different in the whole history of the world. It revealed a God of love who invites our love for him as given most convincing and compelling expression in our love for one another. Love of God and love of people go together. This teaching was both implicit and explicit throughout the Hebrew Scripture. And it was a measure of just how far these religious leaders had drifted into corruption and self-absorption that they had forgotten that, that this came as news to them. Love of God and love of people go together. Did you know that just as pious Jews daily repeat the Shema Israel, there is a parallel custom in Catholic tradition and Catholic spirituality. It's sometimes called, I suppose it's usually called, the morning offering, a daily devotional said at the start of the day, consecrating the day to Christ, giving the day to God. It's basically a reset. In exactly the way your car will eventually become misaligned through use. Life takes us out of alignment with the Lord. It just happens naturally and inevitably. It just happens all the time to all of us, despite our goodwill and very best intentions. A morning offering can be a realignment, reaffirming our place before God. There are various formulas for such a morning offering, and we provide several exa examples currently on our website. Just look for the healing prayer tile on our homepage. But in whatever words we might use to offer such a prayer, the whole point is that we offer our whole self, our whole self back to God. In the morning offering, we're going to offer our hearts. I'm not going to hold on my heart any anger or envy or pride or greed or other bad stuff today. 
I'm not setting my heart on anything or anyone else for my joy and fulfillment. I'm focused on giving God all the desires of my heart so that he, in turn, can put them in right order. We offer God our hearts. We offer God our minds. I say to God, my thoughts are yours today. I don't, I can't control every thought that comes into my head, of course. Not all my thoughts are even my thoughts, but in offering God my mind, I'm saying I'm going to own the thoughts that I choose to dwell on. I'm saying I'm going to return to and concentrate on thoughts that are helpful, that are pleasing to God. I offer God my mind, I offer God my strength. God created my physical being, and I can honor him in what I accomplish with it, but even more so in how I care for it. Today, more than ever before, people are exercising self-care through diet and exercise, and if that's you, good going, keep going. But have you ever considered such efforts can be God-honoring. They can be if that's our intention. Likewise, those facing physical challenges or disabilities can honor God by facing those challenges with grace. We offer God our strength and we offer God our souls. My soul is myself. It's my center. My soul is what integrates all aspects of my being. When I pray, God, I'm gonna love you with my soul, I'm saying that today, I'm organizing my day around God. God will be the organizing principle of my day. Of course, like anything done over and over again, a morning prayer can be emptied of its meaning if we're just going through the motions. It becomes rote and loses its power. Think about it. Those same religious leaders who were plotting Jesus' death prayed the Shema Israel every day, and clearly, evidently, it meant nothing to them. We've got to be intentional if such prayer is going to be effective. But even if it is, we're not finished there. Remember, turns out there's more. When we come before God every day, to make a morning offering and declare our love for him, we do so, at least we should, we ought to do so, in order that we have the grace and the strength, the focus and the resolve to love our neighbors. Who is my neighbor? Well, one time in another place in scripture, somebody asked Jesus that very question. It's in the Gospel of Luke. And he essentially says, Everyone, everyone and anyone you come in contact with, everyone and anyone you know is in need, wherever they are, which means loving your neighbor might very well take you out of your comfort zone. It could, in fact, take you out of your zip code. This weekend, we're announcing our parish mission trips for next summer. You know, all year long, we have day trips, mission trips, with our local partners right here in Baltimore, and dozens of parishioners serve every single week um, in ongoing 
and also standalone service projects. Check it out on our website anytime, and please know that you, you and your family, you and your small group, you and your friends have an open invitation to join us in local service to our Baltimore community. It's, it's fun and it's effective, so think about it. But in addition to local missions, every summer, mission groups go further afield from Western Maryland to East Africa. In saying that you're gonna love God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself, God might be saying to you in response, God might be calling you to step out in service on mission. To learn more, simply stop by the plaza after Mass where our mission team is waiting to answer your question. And if you're joining us online today, then simply text the word mission to the number on your screen. When we say, God, I'm gonna love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength, you gotta understand. You really have to uh, understand. You're also saying, you're automatically saying, you're necessarily saying that you're gonna love your neighbor as yourself, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous because we often don't wanna love the people around us. Sometimes we don't even like them. That's why you gotta pray. 